1: to the show and today my guest is Dion Johnson. Dion, also known as the womanologist, is an ex-midwife and director in public services where she pioneered, coordinated and led special services serving highly vulnerable and marginalized client groups. Dion is a multi-award winning women's champion with the repowerment of women at the heart of her work. She works behind the global leadership scenes as a master coach, strategic ally and trusted advisor to some of the world's most influential women across many different sectors and industries. Dion was born with a pronounced facial disfigurement and her story of unmasking is a powerful metaphor that is now captivating and inspiring leaders across the globe to show up, speak up and shake things the hell up. So I am super, super, super excited
2: to welcome Dion Johnson to the show. Welcome, Dion. Uh, do you know what? I'm excited about this conversation. Well, me
1: too. I mean, you have such an inspiring story, and you have gone on to achieve so much that I just have been so excited about interviewing you for this episode because I just know it's going to resonate with so many of my listeners now. To kick it off, I just wanted to ask you because I know a lot of my listeners will be coming out of relationships where their confidence has been annihilated, where they feel like they can't go on, that they're not worthy, that they're not lovable. Now, you know, I know you've had a story. and I would love you to share your story with my listeners so they can see where you've come
2: from and what you've done with your life. So feeling ugly, unlovable, unworthy not valuable, are all things that I resonate with, but not that you would know it. So if you ever ask somebody from my, you know, throughout my life, they might tell you that Dion, she's really confident. She's, you know, a go getter, a high flyer, a big achiever. And those things are true. But my story has helped me to understand that for a lot of my life. Um, my inside and my outside life didn't match up so I was born with this facial disfigurement and um, like the, the bottom part of my head my face didn't didn't develop properly so I had what was called a hair lip so I had a big gape in the bottom of my face here and the top part of my face was asymmetrical and I was blind in my left eye so um, so I had a lot of stuff going on with my face uh, when I was born and, and from about the age of three months right the way through into my adult life I was having corrective surgery So I was, you know, having all sorts of things done, all kind of, um, um, you know, all kinds of procedures done surgically. And when I was four years old, I was part of that corrective process. I was gifted an artificial eye, which was this like plastic shell that fit over my disfigured eye and a pair of dark glasses. So they were really sort of we called them Hilda Ogden glasses. Do you remember Hilda Ogden, who yes. on Coronation Street used to wear these big, big glasses? Mine were big and they were dark, very dark, like dark sunglasses. And I was gifted those when I was four. And the, and the whole point of those gifts was to help me hide, to help me hide my facial flaws, to help me blend in, to help me look a little bit more normal, to help me to help me kind of fit in a bit more and i you know i remember the day when the the doctor gave me the artificial eye i remember sitting down looking in the mirror him standing behind me on my left and my mum standing behind me on my right we we're looking into the mirror all three of us at this new me with this new thing in my face and i remember his words he said to me there you go my love now you're beautiful and i remember hearing his words, like like they really hit me. And I, I remember thinking, well, I don't know if I'm beautiful, but I think maybe, just maybe I look a little bit more normal. Like I've got two normal looking eyes now. Well, <laughs> that was what I call the beginning of my life behind the mask, my life behind the mask. Because as I went through my life, like, this was how I showed up everywhere. Like, I didn't let anybody see me. I didn't let anybody know what I looked like behind my artificial eye and dark glasses. So I, um, so this is what I'm excited about sharing with your audience, because, you know, I, I went to school. Like, one day I didn't have my mask on. Next day I did, and I went to school. I remember, like, ha- having to deal with everybody's sort of, like, what the heck's going on with Dion kind of thing. And then it becoming really normal. And then so, uh, so that nobody e- would even remember that at a time when I didn't show up with that. And then I went into, you know, into my work life and my higher education. I went through university and into work and into the world with my mask on. I didn't let anybody see me. And most importantly, I went into intimate relationships with my mask on. That like I remember like I made a baby with a guy who never really saw me. I I, I kept my masks on (laughs) right the way through our relationship. And it was kind of like this unspoken thing, Like I just didn't let people see me. So only a handful of people knew what I looked like behind my mask eventually, you know, after all these years. I mean, I wore those masks for 40 years, but what happened in 2009, was that you know after like after nearly 40 years of wearing these masks was that um life just life decided that it was time for me to show up for real so it was a a really rocky time my my um it was a real dark night of the soul year so everything was going wrong i'd had failed relationship after failed relationship I'd had you know my work life everything looked good on the outside I had properties my daughter went to private school drove nice cars you know did built a nice looking life for myself but behind the scenes I was miserable my heart was breaking my relationships were tense and borderline abusive and uh you know and I, I wasn't progressing how I wanted to. Like So I was doing good. Like, like I said, people say I was a high flyer, but I knew there was so much more for me to be doing in the world. There were issues that I cared about making a difference within, and I wasn't making that a sustainable, high-level difference like I wanted to. Like I said, it looked okay, but I knew that there was much more for me. And yet life felt like I, um, I had one foot on the gas trying to accelerate through... To what to this greatness that I perceived for myself, but also one for on the break simultaneously. So it's like a stuttering, like nothing was smooth, everything was hard. And then in 2009, my aunt died, and I had this week, just one week, what I used to call the week from hell. Because um, this boy, like we, when my aunt died, we had a big party, you know, we have wakes in, in our culture, and maybe yours too and um and this boy that I'd never met a a son of of old friend of mine who I was meeting for the first time said mom your friend she's ugly and when he said that his words just kind of really hurt like really smashed into my heart in a sore place and you know I, I I noticed something I noticed that even though he hurt me even though I was hurt on the inside, that if you were in the room at that time, because loads of people were there, all family and friends, like they, they didn't know how hurt I was. I was able to kind of hold my composure, you know, keep, keep, my, keep myself straight, you know, hold myself steady. And on the inside, I was on my knees, like I was crippling pain. On the outside, it looked something different. And every day that week, that whole week, every single day that week, something happened. Like the, ne- the very next day, I was standing in the foyer of my church and these, these kids, random kids, ran up behind me, tapped me on the shoulder. And when I turned around, they pointed at my face, belly laughed, squealed, mocked me and then ran off. I thought, what the heck? <laughs> That was the very next day. And every day that week, something was happening. Do you know what I've worked out, Sarah, is that when it's time for us as women to really see ourselves and get to grips with some stuff that just isn't working in our life, it's like everywhere we turn, it's just like, bam, bam, bam. It's like, you just can't escape it. But I couldn't escape it this week. You know, it's like everywhere I turned, there was something happening that was pointing me to, my face, my disfigurement, the way I felt about it, the way I felt about myself, the way that people saw me, the way that I allowed people to see me, the way that I kind of had this way on the outside and this thing going on the mismatch between the outside, all started to become, all started to be tapped, tapped. You know, it just was becoming so clear to me. So um, I ended up that week with my on my knees and my hands up in the air. I'm a praying girl. And I, I had a real strong chat with God. You know, like I say, God, I'm in pain. I don't know what's going on. You know, what's happening with my life? I, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't feel good. My faith and people that this boy, he called me ugly, laughed at me. It's hurting. Everything was hurting. And I had this conversation. I like to say, conversation with God. You know, some people say I had a conversation with my higher self. Some people say I had a conversation with the universe. That's not the point. The point is that I heard these questions rising up on the inside of me. And the questions were like, Dion, when, when are you going to quit hiding? When are you going to let people see the real you, Dion? When you're going to let people know who you are for real? When you're going to show up for real? When you're going to let people hear you for real, see you for real, experience you for real. I just thought, like I was talking about my face at the time. And I was talking about the fact that I'd been wearing these masks for 40 years. <laughs> and I didn't, I thought they were stupid questions. And I was talking out loud, that's how me and God's role, I was talking out loud and I was saying, you know, how the heck can I show up for real? How can I let people see me? I thought that the real me, my face at that time, was so, so it would be so unfair to subject people to having to look at the real me. It would be so like it would just make people uncomfortable. It would make people, it would make people not be, be feel sick. It would make people, you know, be disgusted, you know, recoil. I just thought, like, and when I heard this coming up out I of me, mean, the questions were pulling up all of these i these these thoughts that I was carrying in my own belly. Like, I'm so. I'm so gross that it wouldn't be fair to let the people see the real me. When I heard this coming up out of my own mouth, first of all, I had never really consciously acknowledged that I think about myself like that. Like I said, if anybody had asked you, they'd have said, Dion, oh, she's cocksure. She's, you know, she's, she's a mouthy girl. She's confident. She's a go getter. I didn't know that I harbored that sense that the real me is offensive the real me needs to be hidden the real me isn't to be isn't for public consumption you know and that is that when I heard it coming out of my own mouth like wasn't people telling me this this was me telling me this and I thought wow this doesn't sound right. (laughs) I'm gonna have to find a way to let people see the real me. Remember back then I was talking about my face. I was talking about not wearing the artificial eye and dark glasses anymore. But I just thought I'm gonna let people see the real me. So I got I made a decision, I was down there on my knees with my hands up in the air going, I'm gonna find a way to show up for real. And that was like 2009. So you can see that I don't wear the artificial eye and dark glasses anymore. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Like what I really learned on my journey to navigate in how I'm going to take these masks off my own face and let you see me was that there was much more to me than my face and I'd been hiding on so many levels. I'd been hiding myself, my opinions who I want to. I'd been trying to be her over there for, to please them and her over there to please him and there, her over there to please that group. And it's like I was trying really hard to be all these different things to meet all these different expectations and Oh my God, when I decided that I was going to learn to show up for real, I realized I don't really remember. I don't even know who the heck that is. Like, what does that mean, showing up for real? So, I've been on this amazing journey. I've been on this amazing journey of learning how to show up for real. A couple of years in, I started sharing my story, and that's when the floodgates opened. Women from all around the world, and I'm not kidding, women from all around the world started writing to me saying, Hey, Dion i haven't got a face like yours you know um i'm i'm i don't have this problem or that problem but i know what you're talking about with your masking. i know what you're talking about with playing small i know what you're talking about with not showing up for real i know what you're talking about i know what it is to not let people really see me really hear me really know what i, I think really understand me like i i get it i was shocked They begin to share me their stories, I share mine. We started learning with each other. And I started to realize that this thing about women hiding ourselves, this thing about women not showing up for real in relationships, whether they be intimate relationships, family relationships, friendly relationships, or professional relationships, that we're not showing up for real some of us have lost touch with what that really means to be showing up for real and I think well when I when I discovered what I discovered about myself how I was thinking about myself and I look back at my relationships like it's no wonder I picked up those guys <laughs> it's no wonder I was with those men it's no wonder I let the relationships pan out the way they did it's no wonder i co-created heartbreak for myself it's no wonder i it's no wonder things panned out the way that they did because i was co-creating from a broken self-perception and that is is something that i'm passionate about helping us as women to address
1: I mean, what a story. I mean, it completely melted my heart throughout that whole story and moved me to tears at one point. I mean, what what an incredible woman you are. I have to say you are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, to, to have gone through that journey for 40 years and hidden your true self. I mean, that is like being in a prison. It's like not being able to even you know, show the people closest to you who you really are. And I totally get what you mean about people reaching out to you on those things, because I think, you know, not to that extent, because that is a hell of a journey. I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story, because I know it will inspire so many others. But to come out of a situation where you haven't been your true self, where you've been in relationships, where you've hidden your own beliefs, you've maybe had to walk on eggshells if it was a toxic relationship, which I know a lot of my listeners may be thinking, yeah, I can even say what I wanted, do what I wanted you know, and and have hidden themselves away from the world. I mean, life has a funny way, doesn't it, of, of, like you said, you're weak from hell there, of you know keep showing up with those lessons the
2: pain the pain the pain yeah. until you go okay I'm going to bank that I'm going to do something yeah right I honestly think like just based on my experience and some of the experiences of the women that I now get to call my clients is that um from this broken self-perception we create we co-create our experiences so you know that that we we end up in in scrapes that we shouldn't we, we don't deserve or we don't we shouldn't be there but we we our our brokenness co-creates that experience and then once we get into those broken experiences those difficult relationships sometimes you know some horrific situations then, and and you know it keeps us there for a while it keeps us all in there because we're, we're we're trying not to lose that we're trying not to lose what we think we've we're holding on to and then if we do decide to leave that broken self-perception the shame on top of that broken self-perception makes it really difficult to pick life up again because we're we're talking to ourselves about you know how we failed and how ashamed we are and how guilty we are and how all of this where, we're our own worst enemies and I say it's time for us to really take those masks off get behind there and really meet the true woman that's there (laughs) and get get to get to sorting out who she is and reconnecting with her so that she's the one that's leading the show because when we lead from this broken place we're creating stuff that we don't want to. We don't want
1: to experience. I'm fascinated by your ability to say that you were co-creating all these issues because I know a lot of people in situations that are tough will be thinking, "Well, my ex was toxic," or yeah. you know, "My parents did this," or maybe the doctor in your case said, "Oh, now he yeah. go wear these." You know, passing the blame on and not taking responsibility. You know, yeah. and that's very easy to do and understandable, especially in your situation. So how did you get to that point where you were seeing it as if you had a part to play in that? I think that if you
2: look for real, I think, I think that, um, it, that when someone hurts you or betrays you or mistreats you, um, it is natural for us to, to, be, to, to, be, to have a response to their behaviour. Um, my background is medicine. So I was a nurse for a long time. Then I was a midwife for a very long time. And uh, what I know from my healthcare training is that if you have a headache, you can keep popping paracetamol or you can try and find out, you can investigate to find out what, why do I keep having these headaches? Two different trains of thoughts. One is get rid of the pain. The other one is understand why the pain is happening. They're two different trains of thought. My medical background taught me to have the latter. Like in everything, it's a it's it's like a mindset that. I, uh, I've come to understand that as I've looked at what was happening to me, and when I traced up what was going on inside of me, when I invested in support to really look at my situation, my life, objectively, the common denominator was me. <laughs> and so I needed If I wanted to take control and I wanted to create a new type of life for myself, then I had to be asking myself, what was I doing to create? It wasn't saying that that what was happening outside wasn't real, like they didn't do that or they didn't say that or they didn't act this way towards me. It's not that at all. It's just I got to realise that I can't do anything about them, <laughs> but I can do something about what I brought to the table. And I can acknowledge, as painful as it is, that what I brought to the table was co-creative, was damn powerful, was part of the problem. Now, I'm not saying that people will never mistreat me or people will never uh, betray me or abuse me, but I... I take responsibility for edging my bets to live in the kind of life that I've decided that I'm worth living. Even saying that to you, even, you know, understanding that I'm worthwhile, I've discovered that on this journey of investigation and exploration into why things were so painful for me. I've discovered stuff that doesn't let me sit in the victim's seat anymore.
1: So powerful it really is I mean fascinating as well for people listening right now thinking okay this woman is mind-blowing and I want to follow in her footsteps where can they start to take that mask off right like, wh-
3: where do they go what's the
1: first yeah. couple of steps they should do
3: are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce are you feeling devastated heartbroken sad and anxious if so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again.
1: For people listening right now, thinking, "Okay, this woman is mind-blowing, and I want to follow in her footsteps," where can they start to take that mask off? Right, wh- where do they go? What's the first yeah. couple of steps they should do? I
2: say, don't try and take the mask off. Think about what's not working in your life and start there. Start with the pain start with the pain I say that in ultimately we need to be looking at what the pain what message what insight what ideas the pain has got to show us do you know I was a nurse for a long time and I never forget this woman who came into AE when I was doing my A&E stint and she had like her leg was gangrene her leg was almost hanging off it was really in a really bad way and long story short we discovered that the woman had stepped on a pinhead a rusty pinhead but she hadn't realized it so she was walking around on this rusty pinhead that's carried on rusting when it was under her skin and then the whole leg started getting sicker and sicker and sicker and she came in when things were really bad well I always wondered like didn't you feel yourself stand on that pin and the truth is she didn't because she had this nerve defect and she had uh, like her nerves her pain sensation didn't work properly her pain you know the messages to her brain that i'm in pain i'm in pain didn't work so what happened was she stepped on it and she had no pain so she was not able to know that it was something that needed attention Pain is such a powerful messenger. If your life is hurting in any place, that is an, a gift. I like to say, your pain is a gift. It's like, it's like an invitation to look at what, what's at the root. Like there's something that needs attention. There's something that needs you, you to do something with. Like it needs balm. It needs, uh, it needs healing. And so I say, start with your pain. If you're in pain, that's a gift. Celebrate. Celebrate that you're being invited to find something about yourself, to heal in some way, to see how you've been thinking. When I said out loud that the real me is offensive, I have to hide myself, I thought, bullshit. Like, who told me that? Like, when it came out of my mouth, it came out of my own mouth, but I didn't know that I'd been thinking about that until the pain hit and I started wrestling with it. And then that. I was shocked when it's I said that about myself like I found out that we don't even know what we're thinking sometimes we just don't know what's in there until we decide to venture in so I say get help (laughs) this is what I did I heard the call I heard the call to show up for real (laughs) like it came in the form of a week from hell where everything kept poking me saying Pay attention something's wrong with your face <laughs> and then i answered the call like i said yeah i really did i committed to um, following this invitation to finding out what's really going on for me and then i got help so i i found a really great counselor and i got a really great coach and i really this i said to her look i found out that, that i'm in pain And I think there's something wrong with me hiding my face. I don't know what it is, but I want to try and work this out. And we worked together. We made plans. We talked about it. We went deep. I cried. It was, it was, we, we uncovered stuff that prepared me for my goal to show up for real and to be more myself. And then I started to take steps. You know, I started walking it out. And that is what I now provide for my clients. My clients are women in senior leadership who want to show up more powerfully in their role. They want to be more authentic in their role. They want to speak up. They want to call things out. They want to speak their truth in the boardroom and in other high-level conversations. And I take what I've learned from me, my showing up journey, and I help them apply it to showing up. So you can apply, apply it in your marriage. You can apply it in your professional life. You can apply it with your family. You know, I've got a client right now who's who's letting her mom see who she is for the very first time in her life. You know, we as women must learn to show up for real. We must understand who we are and we must refuse to dumb down or, or, or compromise who we're being to appease all these different expectations because it'll send us crazy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm all for that. And I, you know, it's something that I champion and your work is phenomenal. And I know you help so many people, even just following you on social media, which I highly recommend everybody does follow you on LinkedIn and read all your posts because it's phenomenal to follow. One of the challenges I see in today's society, and I faced it as well, and I know a lot of my friends and colleagues and, and other women around the world who are, you know, standing up for things and speaking out, is that the reaction you get isn't always a favourable reaction. Yes. And what happens then yeah. is key. So what's your advice when you don't get the reaction, you don't get that, oh, well done for yeah. speaking
2: out and saying your truth. <laughs> what happens if you a- don't a- get that? It's such a powerful question because like this was when I was working out with my counselor and my coach when I decided that I was going to learn how to show up for real it was because and the reason it was scary was because I had been hiding for 40 years remember we were just talking about my face back then I but I'd been hiding for my face for 40 years like even in the most intimate of settings so so I kind of my worst nightmare was I, I, I was convinced that there were going to be people who would just vomit like they'd see me and they'd vomit or they'd see me and they'd be cruel or they would embarrass me or they would just have some kind of adverse response to me I really those things those fears were real for me so that was what I was working through and I got to a place in my coaching my counseling where I realized why it was important for me to show up for real even if some people weren't going to like it and this is very powerful having a reason why because I knew that it was making me sick to keep trying to be everything to everybody I knew that I I couldn't make the difference I was here to make if I kept on trying to be everything to everybody I I developed an understanding of how I was the real me was somehow a gift in the world the real me was somehow the best thing that I could do if I wanted to make my difference in the world so all of that thinking took time for me to get my head around but that's what I did and then I um had you know I got support like I said but I'll tell you two quick stories about adverse reactions so when I first started learning how to shirt for real I wanted to do it with strangers first because um because I had had some really close relationships with people who had not really seen my face. And that felt like, I, I had some issue around that. I felt like I'd been deceiving people. Like I felt like I'd been, like I loved these people and I felt like I hadn't quite given myself to the relationship because I'd been hiding. And um, so I wanted to start with strangers. And I remember I, I remember my first trip out of my house without, in fact was in my house, the gas man was coming round. And, um, um, and I just didn't put my mask on. I didn't put my artificial eye on. I didn't put my glasses on. I opened the front door and the gas man came and said, hello, love, I've come to meet, read the meter. And so, you know, he just sort of like brushed past me to the meter. He didn't even really seem to notice. And I, and I pondered that in my heart. Like he didn't vomit. Like he didn't, he didn't go, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Like He just didn't even really see me. And I thought, oh. was all right so I thought I'd venture out to the train station without my mask on and I remember walking up the road and deciding to hold my head up put my shoulders down and just walk and something must have been in my stance because people were smiling at me people didn't vomit people didn't throw up like I really my fears weren't realized and I got to the train station And I saw the train come. I thought, okay, let me get on the train. The doors opened. I got on. And as soon as I crossed over into the threshold of the train, I saw this woman double take. And I thought, oh my God, my heart was boom, 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 boom. And I sat down and I saw her staring at me. Like she wasn't even really hiding it, she was just staring. I thought, okay, I'm ready for her. And then she leaned towards me. She goes, excuse me, my love. And I said, yes, but I had an attitude because I was ready, I was, I was ready to defend myself. And she said, where did you get that coat? It's gorgeous. <laughs> Amazing story. Wow. I to myself, like, wow. She didn't she wasn't looking at my face. She was looking at my coat. She was admiring me. And that really taught me a powerful lesson about it I, I decided there and then that i wasn't going to assume that people were just that people found me hideous or that people were going to have an adverse re- response to me i i made up my mind right there that actually that people were going to admire me when i walked out when i showed myself and you know and then i remember about a year later Perhaps that after I've been walking without my mask on, I was working Ministry Defence right in the city, and nobody drives in the city in London. So we get the get the bus or the tube, and it was rush hour. So I thought, there's no way I'm going on the tube now. It's so packed on the tube. So I'm going to get a bus home. And I got on the bus and it was really crowded, and there was one seat. I made a beeline for that seat, like pushed packed everyone and put myself on the seat. And um, I was so tired. I had a long, long day working with these amazing leaders in the Ministry of Defence. And um, and uh, but I was really tired. And I sort of turned around to the woman who was sitting next to me and I said, to her, Excuse me, have you got the time, please? And she said, like she i saw her lift her arm up to look at her watch and then she looked at the time and she turned to tell me the time and as she turned to tell me the time she saw my face and she went like this and she started crying and shaking and hyperventilated what's wrong with you and she started to really have this like over the top like grossly exaggerated response to my face And it was in a crowded bus. And I felt my heart, I felt the sadness come. And I felt like this gray cloud looming, like wanting to descend on me, like this depression wanted to just come heavily on my shoulders. I felt embarrassed, I wanted to cry, I felt sad. I felt all sorts of things. And then I sort of took a minute and thought, okay, like, I remember that I knew that this might happen. <laughs> We've talked about this, Like I decided that it's okay. I've already decided it's okay. And I remember thinking like, just help this woman get a newspaper and her lipstick. Like, you know, they were all over the bus and I was helping her pick everything up and I gave them back to her and I said, it's all right, don't worry. And I moved. And I felt like the whole bus was looking at me for my whole journey. But I just kind of held my head down and just sort of closed my eyes slightly, got to my destination and stepped off the bus. And then when I got off that bus, I stood there for a minute and I thought, you okay, Dee? You okay, Dion? And I thought, you know what? Bit bruised, not gonna lie. That really didn't feel good. But you know what? I I I'm okay. I'm okay. So I tell you I learned in that moment that some people are not only going to not like you they're going to have a highly exaggerated response to the real you <laughs> and you know what yeah we can we we can do that we can, we can do that I, mean, I don't go seeking that out and I definitely don't want to be experiencing it every day but um this really it, remember um when I'm, I'm using the face like a metaphor but it's not we're not just talking about face and looks here we're not talking about hair color or skin color or eye color we're talking of or weight or or anything like that. we're talking about the real who you are at your core like some people are gonna be so incensed by your by you your opinions what you think what you want what you need some people are going to have exaggerated resistance to that and I say you know what you, you can handle it it's okay it's okay oh my goodness
1: <laughs> what a story I mean I've had tears and I'm sure lots of people listening are, are I've had tears as well from that story I mean you're such an inspiration deal I mean it just goes to show that actually for those people listening who are feeling that they're not worthy that they're not good enough that actually being free to be yourself is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. And actually that comes with a certain degree of vulnerability. But if you go out as you did prepared, you know, you think it through and you go out and just
2: shine your light and be your true self. Yeah. This whole thing about being your true self really bears, it really bears reiterating that that being your true self isn't an obvious thing to you. Who I am take some getting to know and so like my biggest advice to everyone listening to this is like get curious about who the heck you really are like we have had there's so much confusion about what it means to be a woman just just that what it means to be a woman is so confusing but if you're not careful, you'd think that it, being a woman was about our breast size or our bra, or our bum size or how long our legs are or how high pitched our voices or, you know, what our mood swings. Like, you know, you'd think it was just sexual. Not many of us decide to make up our own minds about what it really means to be the real me. And that's where we need to start, all of us. we're so busy trying to get to know what everybody else needs and who everybody else is and what everybody else wants and you know what what they expect and what they that we really need to be masters of understanding who we are and we need to be masters of evolving that somebody said to me the other day that it's um getting older is inevitable but maturing is optional Like that's damn true. Like we need to be maturing and evolving, who we are. We need to be becoming more and more of who we were born to be. Like this is where where we need to be putting our thinking. We need to be putting our I'm telling you, some of the scrapes that we're in is because we have not known ourselves. Some of the relationships that we found ourselves in is because we have not asked the question, "Who the heck am I?" We don't know what we're supposed to be matched to because we don't know who's doing the matching we don't know who we're bringing to the table we've got some other people's ideas that dad or that teacher or that old boyfriend or those that old bitchy girlfriend or or even ourselves the things that we've told ourselves about ourselves just completely i call them bfdls big fat dirty lies parading like truth parading like that. truth but we need to get straight about who we really are absolutely and is that where your name the womanologist came from the womanologist is such a phenomenal word how did you come up with that and what well, I think mean? my clients really helped that because you know they come because they've got beef at work you know they they're, they're they've got trouble with their boss or they're going through an appraisal situation or um you know um they want to be more powerful in the boardroom or something like about work you know work-life balance or whatever And when we get together, when we sit down and we pull the the layers back of their situation, at the root of it is this woman who's never asked herself who she is and what she wants like this woman who's never taken the time to decide that she's important enough to show up for real and so that's where inevitably my work ends up coming to to a sense of identity a sense of worth a sense of you know uh, of I am a gift I am powerful I have something to offer this world and I need to learn how to show up for real and so women say to me all the time I I thought I was going to you know have leadership training or I thought I was gonna do you know assertiveness skills and I ended up healing as a woman I ended up healing as a woman and that is where the womanologist came from
1: I love it I mean gosh you are inspiring in every way how do people listening
2: find out more about you and where can they follow you well um Everyone needs to buy my book. <laughs>
3: yes, they do. Go on, tell us about
2: your book. <laughs> I wrote that book. like It was blood, sweat and tears to get it out. But I wrote it as a labour of love to, to really bring this message home to women that we need to show up for real. And... Um, it, and that's a process so get the book influential woman you can get it anywhere um amazon or, or anywhere they sell books and um then come hang out with me on linkedin i'm that's where i am in social media land i love hanging out on linkedin and um yeah so you'll know what i'm up to and my website is thewomanologist.com. So. Um, come sign up there to join my mailing list and we'll keep in touch like I real connection I like to say that my work is woman to woman behind the mask heart to heart work so I like up close I'm a high touch girl and I I like up close I like people to come come close let's talk let's get to know each other let's let's find out who you really are It's just so beautiful,
1: your message. I mean, you've moved us all emotionally on this podcast. So thank you so much. I have one final question for you that I ask all my guests. My podcast, as you know, is called Heartbreak to Happiness because I think it's really important to identify what happiness is for you so that even when you are going through some of the difficult challenges that you've discussed today, that you can tap into that happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Dion? Do you know
2: when I can get to like, I'm happy now when I can just show up, have a real connected, intelligent conversation without any hairs and graces, without any pretense, with just really myself and you yourself, like that's what makes me really happy. You've certainly made me
1: very happy today, you are a gift, you are an absolute inspiration, thank you so much for being a fabulous guest Dion.
2: Yeah, Thank
1: you so much. That's it for today's episode. Now be sure to go and buy Dion's book, Influential Woman. You can buy it on Amazon or any good bookshop. Also head on over to thewomanologist.com and follow her on LinkedIn for more information about what Dion's up to. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode.
0: That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sarah's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreak to happiness, podcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sarah's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.